Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love from movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me and my co-host, Joseph. Yellow. And J.U. Cacao! Uh, doing another Hidden Gems episode this year, we're tackling 2009. There were a lot of big movies this year, like the well, third, second or third highest grossing movie of all time came out this year. For sure. So we, uh, we picked 2009 because the last episode we did was 1999, and we realized in doing 1999, it was the most 90s year of movies. And we were wondering if that was true in the 2000s, and the answer is, no, not really. We'll get into it, but I, there, there were a lot of big movies this year, but I don't feel like there were a lot of good movies that were like big box office winners. Yeah, no, I agree with that assumption. Also, when we did 99, like it just, like you were saying, it felt like the culmination of the 90s in that year. Yeah. I would say the culmination of the Audis was like 2005, 2006. Maybe. Uh, in, in film, anyway. 2009, there's a lot of, like... Honestly, there's a lot of crap that I remember from later. I'm, su- I'm surprised some of this stuff is as old as it is. Yeah. I will say, so, the, this, this might be a good indicator of kind of the beginning of franchisation that's been happening for all the, the 2010s. You want me to give you a list of the, the top 10 movies of the year, domestic, anyway? Yeah, let's hear them. Number one... Transformers 2, Revenge of the Fallen. Uh, apparently people really loved Transformers before they realized that they could be bad. Number two, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Number three, Up. Uh, then Twilight, uh, New Moon. And then Avatar, which went on to make a lot more money the following year, but in 2009, only made uh, about a quarter of a million dollars. The Hangover, Star Trek, uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, and Ice Age, John of the Dinosaurs. So between Transformers, Harry Potter, Twilight, Avatar, eventually... The Hangover, Star Trek, and Ice Age, they're all, you know, either long running or the beginning of, of franchise-style movies. I can't believe that Monsters vs. Aliens was a top-ten movie, because nobody who was even in that movie remembers that movie. I think that's probably true. Uh, but you want, you want to know what number 11 was for the year? Let's it's, hear a, it. it's a personal favorite of mine. It's X-Men's Origins, Wolverine. Oh, yeah. The 11th grossing movie here. of 2009. <laughs> If that doesn't tell you the quality of this fucking movie, or this fucking year, yeah. The main thing I noticed from looking at this list is there's a whole lot of movies on it that I think wanted to be the kind of movies that like 10 years later people would be talking about being being hidden gems, but actually exactly the right number of people saw it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, even the shit that I think, I mean, the the only thing on here that I think is like A+, plus you know, uh, unassailable quality that's not a quarter, a quarter hidden gem is Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. But even the things that I think, you know, were on the better end of things, you know, they have uh, Gran Torino's on this list, Slumdog Millionaire won all the awards, or those kind of things. Uh, you know, I think they got, they got seen exactly as much as they should have been seen. Right, right, right. I don't, I don't, I, in fact, they might be remembered a little better than they are. I mean... The one that made me think that was the first guy when you see on the list, 500 Days of Summer. That movie was made to be a cult classic, and it's, it's nothing. It's, I, I, more people saw it than should have ever saw it. All it led to was two confusing Spider-Man movies. Yeah. <laughs> that movie, I think we've discovered how creepy it is. I don't know if we realized it when it first came out, but the longer it's been out, that movie makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> right. And... Uh, I'm surprised it was as big as it was 
when it came out. But I don't know, maybe we just weren't aware that how much of a stalker creep Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in that movie. Um, well, I mean, back, you know, there was a hard switch on what, what was a uh, scrappy underdog and a stalker. And we've just realized recently that what a stalker is, I yeah. think, at least as far as entertainment goes. And to be fair, I don't feel like he, he acts any different than a romantic lead in most other romantic, you know, comedy romance movies. He just doesn't end up getting the girl at the end. Yeah, I will say I think all of that is intentional in this movie. Oh yeah, I don't yeah think, for sure. I don't, I don't think us as the audience fully understood it at that time. I, I completely agree. I, I totally think it went over my and most people's heads at the time. I, one of the other things I think is also worth pointing out because as I went through this list, I found a lot of like I get what would probably be I guess considered deep cuts just based on how many people saw them in the theaters. But this is also kind of a weird time uh, for movies past their their initial uh theater run because you know blockbuster is already on the decline Redbox is in its heyday uh and this is like the beginning of netflix netflix streaming uh really kicking off and so really the shittiest cheapest movies that could be found were found on Redbox and netflix and that's where i fucking watched them because i was a broke college student <laughs> So what are some of the, uh, what are some of your under, or what is your first underrated film, Joseph? Hidden, your first hidden gem, if you will. Yeah, if, if I had to start somewhere, I mean, like, again, that's the thing. There's a lot of stuff that I think made enough money to be acknowledged and not a hidden gem. Like, even District 9 made $115 million, uh, which is fine for that. Uh, uh, yeah, it, I mean, that one's exactly kind of like what I'm talking about. I mean, like, yeah, that movie is a really good movie, but everybody who should appreciate it already appreciates it. Agreed, yeah. So the first one that I have on my list is, with $42 million is, uh, is Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell. I think, we all are, I think we all really like it, and people absolutely should see it. I definitely think it's forgotten, and it should be remembered. Agreed, yeah. Uh, I mean, one, it's just, it's, I mean, it's, it's a very Raimi execution of, of kind of a, a standard horror movie where he just, he, he dials up, you know, both like it, the things that I feel like people make fun of horror movies for, things they don't like about them, Sam Raimi just leans into, which is just a ridiculous amount of like jump scares and jump scare humor and gross out uh, scenes. Uh, but like somehow it works in this movie. I don't know. It's, it's a surprisingly good time as somebody who has never liked horror movies and particularly didn't like them at this point in time. Yeah, I feel like this one was like he had made the three Spider-Man movies and he, he was like, okay, I got to come back and do something I, to really I gotta show do people what I do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and he did. He yeah. did. Uh, the next one, and this one is arguably uh, has enough of a following, but uh, Jason Reitman's uh, Up in the Air, which... I don't, I don't ever really want to see again because it's too damn sad, but it is a good movie. That guy makes good movies. Yeah, uh, George is on my list. Yeah, good. Uh, um, but it is just terribly sad. I, I've watched it a couple of times, but it's been a few years because I just can't, I don't want to be that depressed. Agreed. Yeah, that's kind of the tough bit about, rec- like, I, I think you should watch it once, but I don't know if, I don't know if I'll ever go back to it. Uh, George Clooney is, is really solid in this. Uh, we get over the fact that Anna Kendrick is in it. It's worth a watch. See, I think Anna Kendrick's pretty good in this movie, and I had high hopes for her coming out of it. Now, those hopes have been totally dashed and ruined, but at the time, I was like, oh, this girl can act. Like, right. 
you know, I expect her to go on to big things. And I, I mean, she did go on to big things. They're just not the things I wanted her to go on to. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, yeah, I might be tainted by present day. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think this might say something about my mental state at the time because well, I don't remember this being that depressing. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. It's about a guy who fires people for a living, Jay Hill. Yeah, I, I know, but I don't know. It didn't bum me out that much, you know? The, 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 the scene where he meets the pilot is the saddest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, I can't watch that scene. It hurts me. <laughs> Uh, the next one that I have on my list is The Fourth Kind, which I know Christian is also on board with me for, which is another horror movie, which is odd for me. Uh, yeah, this one's on my list to talk about. Uh, I, I like this movie a whole lot. I think it's pretty pretty good. It's, uh, it's shot in kind of, it, it, it presents itself as like a mockumentary of like, not a mockumentary, of, a, of a, like a, a, read, a dramatization of real events. Um, and then at specific points in the movie, it will do like a side cut of, the dramatization, quote unquote, and then again, quote unquote, the the video footage of the real event, uh, and it's a really it's a it's surprisingly effective storytelling technique. I you know I think I think even in two thousand nine, like the mockumentary horror style was already like okay we've we've done this, but I thought this was a pretty good twist on it, and I think it's a really fucking creepy ass movie set in Alaska. This movie, um, I don't know. I think it is definitely the superior format to that found footage type uh style of filmmaking right. you know it definitely paranormal activity came out a couple years earlier and kind of gave it new life and you're right probably by 2009 it was already tainted and we were done with it um again uh <laughs> but the this movie not being that straight found footage movie when they use that kind of style of filmmaking it still carries the horror, but it doesn't have like the boredom or the, um, what would be the word? Just, you know, exhaustive, lazy nature that kind of comes with, I think, found footage movies because we've seen them so much. Right. I wrote down The Wrestler, not because I want to talk about it because I feel like enough people have seen it, but it didn't make very much money. I was kind of surprised by that for how much shit it won. Yeah, it was was definitely like, it got a lot of hype, but it didn't put the asses in the seat. But it's a it's a good movie. Uh, I, you know, I'll never watch that scene with the meat cutter again. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's 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 a movie worth watching. Um, you know, um, everybody in it's good. Marissa Tomei is good. Mickey Rourke is good. Mickey Rourke capitalized off the uh, off this, uh, like not at all, not even slightly. <laughs> this was the this was this, it was uh, an Iron uh, Man two. <laughs> this was like. Uh, 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 Dream Girls is to Eddie Murphy, like you know they they got this, they had this moment, and it's like oh man, now it's the point where they're going to make a comeback and they're going to be the thing, and then they just capitalized on it, not at all. Yeah, um, I wanted to talk about. I think I, I I'm basing this on one of you guys having watched it, but one that I also think get got kind of uh, misinterpreted uh, at the time it came out and may have. Uh, been recontextualized with time is uh, Seth Rogen's Observe and Report. Um, yeah, I remember watching this and it was fucking dark. It's weird that this came out the same year as uh, Up in the Air because I remember 
I remember this one thinking, man, this is some depressing fucking shit. Yeah. Um, so, well, I, I, I remember it came out a pretty similar time to Paul Blart Mall Cop. And I think, right? I think most people, including myself, thought this is like, oh, it's that two studios making the same movie at the same time thing. Uh, but right. my, my understanding is that's not what this movie is. It's not like a, a goofy, like, oh, look at this, uh, you know, fat, goofy uh, mall cop. He can't do anything. This is like a it's mental illness closer, thing. It's closer to Taxi Driver than it is to, uh, than it is to Paul Blunt. I've never uh, seen this movie. I just hear that it's like way darker than it was advertised yeah. and way darker than people anticipated. But Seth Rogen's in it. How could it be dark? <laughs> Um, one, I don't know if, it, if it's if it's a, a hidden gem because I think that anybody who's if anybody's a fan of Wes Anderson films, they know about Fantastic Mr. Fox, but it only made eighteen million dollars. So I feel like it's still a kind of a hidden gem. It's uh, his first stop motion movie. He's since made uh, Isle of Dogs. Uh, it's also George Clooney. I know you love this movie, Hurt. I do love this movie. I do think it's an underrated gem because I think everyone should see it and everyone should love it. Uh, it, you know, it's my favorite of the Wes Anderson movies. I do, I do get what you're saying that you know, kind of like, uh, you know, all his fans saw this, but I think this is one of his movies that can be appreciated outside of his shtick. Yeah, I love this movie. Yeah, it's a great film. I'm not positive, but it was on Disney Plus. It was like one of the first Fox movies put on there. Uh, you should check it out. It's a good time. The next one on the list, I think, is also one that's really. It's, I, I don't even really want to want to advocate for it too much because I think it's an okay movie. I just think it was probably a uh, kind of Oscar baby, but kind of progressive for the time. Uh, is the movie Milk about Harvey Milk, the first uh, openly gay man elected to public office? Uh, it's a it's a well done. You know, it's, it's kind of like a standard, like you know, biographical kind of thing. But literally everyone in the cast is a terrible person. It's got. Uh, Sean Penn, Josh Brolin, and James Franco <laughs> as some of the leads in this movie. And I'm just like, ooh. When did Josh Brolin become a terrible person? I'm fairly certain he's also beaten up women. We'd have to look that up. but I don't know. He's very stumpy. I don't think he has the reach to beat anybody. And, and Emile Hirsch, who I just generally hate. Right. Uh, so I don't know if this movie's aged well in that context, but it's not a bad movie. I think it is a bad movie. It is... Uh... It is the yeah you you kind of hinted at this, but it's the definition of Oscar bait, mm. and uh, I think the movie suffers from it. Like it was only made for the purpose of winning awards, and when a movie right. is made like that, and then it doesn't win awards, they're typically not good. You know, also I you know I don't think that you know I don't think straight people can never play gay people, but are there any gay people in the leads in this movie? Also true. Yep. Yeah. Great point. Uh, the next one on my list, I don't know if it's a hidden gem. It depends on if you like it or not. Kind of the same kind of thing. Uh, Adventureland with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Case Stu and Ryan Reynolds, I think. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds is a terrible person in this movie. He sure is. But he knows how handsome he is. Yeah, th- this one again, I think everyone who needed to see this movie saw this movie. Uh, it, mainly, it, it mainly pissed me off because... Uh, uh, there's a point where he puts uh, Husker Du's candy apple gray into the tape deck, and it's a black tape, and that was a white tape. But other than uh, that's, and that's the most memorable thing about this movie to me. So there you go. It's fine. I'm trying to think if I would give it a better than Transformers, but truthfully, probably not. It's probably worse. 
I think it's better than Transformers, but it also is a... Uh, the, the ending of it, I think, is what kills me, because I think this should have a similar ending to a 500 Days of Summer, because Jesse Eisenberg is also an awful person. Mm. Too old case, too. He's, like, maybe slightly better than Ryan Reynolds, but there's a lot of that, like, entitled, uh, you know, lead romantic character in it. Uh, and it just works out for him in the end. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is kind of an underrated gem for me. Uh, just because I... Uh, uh, if, if you haven't seen the first Crank with, uh, with Jason Statham, uh, I don't think it matters. I think you should see Crank High Voltage because it's just the same thing, but just turned up to 11. Uh, yeah. And it's just a fun, dumb action-y time. The first movie is so ridiculous, and there's like, there's no way you can make this more ridiculous. And they do. But yeah, it's a good time. This I think, was one of like... I think it's a hidden gem because I think most people didn't see... If they saw the first one, they might not have seen the sequel. But the sequel's worth it. Uh, again, I don't feel like it needs more attention. But The Hurt Locker came out this year and only made $12 million. But then one best yeah. picture. Don't watch this movie. This movie sucks. It's terrible. I hate I'm all right it. with it, but I don't really want to linger on it. Uh, do we think that The Road is a hidden gem? Do you think not enough people have seen The Road? Fuck The Road. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Again, terribly sad. I don't know that I personally would watch it, but if you haven't seen it, give it a shot if you feel like being sad later. There's sad and there's mean-spirited. Nobody needs this shit in their life. Fair enough. Uh, Viggo Mortensen's pretty good in it, though. I like it. Um, So I I should mention that this is the beginning of the 10 million or less, uh, and I've got a lot of shit from here on out. (laughs) Uh, the next one is one of my personal favorites and what I would, I'm already calling is my hidden gem of the year, which is Duncan Jones's Moon starring Sam Rockwell. Uh, yeah, that, that's the best one on the list. I don't even care what comes next. I love the fuck out of this movie. It's uh, kind of a, I don't know if a twisty is the right word, but it's a sci-fi, uh, uh, I don't even know what it is. It's just, it's a good time. This was, this was the beginning of good sci-fi again. What is, where's Duncan Jones doing? When's the last time he made a movie? He made, that, he made that movie with What's-His-Face, the mute movie with uh, uh, the Skarsgård, the, the hot one. Oh, yeah. That movie sucked. Yeah. <laughs> also hurt, I think you still have my moon from like 10 years ago. As soon as you said moon, it's like, God damn it. I'm going to have to have to hear, uh, hear about your fucking Hollywood video secondhand copy. <laughs> Of Moon that, that I still have. I'm going to buy you a fucking Blu-ray. I, are you better? I deserve it on interest at this point. Uh, I don't, again, I don't know if this is actually a good movie, but uh, it's, it's kind of worth seeing just for time context. Is There's a documentary called It Might Get Loud. where Is that the one with Jack White? It is. It's, it's uh, Jack White. Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page and The Edge. And the Edge just get together and have a jam session. Uh, yeah, it's dope. And the, the worst bit is there's just so many deleted scenes from this movie. So they, they like, instead of spending a lot of time with the three of them just jamming out, they like go into their backstories and shit and fuck that noise. Uh, like th- there's all these deleted scenes of them just like playing each other's songs and having a good time. And I like that should have been the whole fucking movie. It kills me when I, when I watched it. But you can find most of the good shit on YouTube, but worth looking into. Also, the, uh, yeah. the opening scene is uh is jack white making a guitar an electric guitar out of a plank of wood a coke bottle and some wire and uh it's pretty fucking cool 
Yeah, twenty-one-year-old Christian really liked this movie a whole lot. I don't know that thirty-one-year-old Christian would still be a fan, but uh, I really liked it in two thousand and nine. It fits a niche. Uh, the next one I got on here is uh, Bad Lieutenant, Port Call of New Orleans, starring Nick Cage in one of the most ridiculous Nick Cage movies I've ever seen, though I know that there are probably more outrageous ones. This uh, is not a hidden gem, but everyone should still see it. I think it's great. I really loved it. <laughs> everyone should see it. I love it. But I also agree. This is one of the ones I'm talking about. Really, everyone who's going to love this has already watched it. It's possible. Yeah. I don't love it, but it is highly it's an highly entertaining experience when you and watch it with people don't watch it by yourself no i definitely i I think that's true of all nick cage movies that's like a nick cage standard (laughs) you should always watch nick cage movies with people but yeah i I thought it was just a kind of a stupid you know nick cage thing for about three-fourths of it and then the ending came around i was like oh shit this is actually pretty fun so yeah i recommend it if you haven't seen it uh, and, and now we're under a million dollars for the year. And I know I got one here that I know that Christian might have on his list if he, if he found it. Uh, Fanboys. Yeah, I love this movie. I made uh, all of you watch it. Well, I think Hurt skipped that night. But I mean, Hurt skipped all the nights, but yes. I made you watch it. You did. And I had a great time. It's got uh, Jay Baruchel and some other people. <laughs> I can't remember who else. That guy that's not Josh Gad. Yeah. And then, yeah, some people who were seen pretty big in the Audis, I think, but I don't remember. I think Kristen uh, Bell's in it. Kristen Bell is in it. Gosh, a, I'm sure of it. It's, it's I a, don't remember It's about them trying else. to break their, uh, their sick friend into the Skywalker Ranch to see the, uh, or to, to steal the cut of episode one before it came out. Uh, it's just kind of a, a goofy adventure with a bunch of nerds through nerd culture. Yeah, uh, everyone should watch it. It's hilarious. It's got it's, a really funny... Really yeah, a funny bit, making fun of Bleeding Cool News, which is very, uh, now I think is even more on point than it was when it came out. Uh, yeah, Nick, um, Bleeding Cool has not gotten better since then. Yeah. Yeah, for someone that made less than a million dollars, I think more should be, people should definitely see this movie. Uh, the next one on here only made uh, $240,000, which is Black Dynamite, the kind of, uh, I don't even know if it's, it's a, I guess it's like, I guess this is the right word of a pastiche. A pastiche of, of uh, like the what is that? This, the the 70s black exploitation films. Uh, it's a action kung fu super goofy super fun flick. Everyone should watch this movie. This movie's hilarious. It's, it's super funny. Fun. Yeah. Uh, the next one I have on here is like ooh, we're uh, we're we're stretching what I mean by hidden gem at this point. But I got a couple of other good ones. But I'm putting this one on here. Uh, World's greatest dad. If you like black 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 comedies. This is as dark as it fucking gets. Uh, it's Robin Williams and uh, probably one of his, his later roles as the father of a real shitty middle school, maybe high, early high school kid who's just an absolute asshole who uh, accidentally kills himself uh, trying to do autoerotic asphyxiation. And uh, to cover it up, the failing aspiring writer, Robin Williams, writes a suicide note. Uh, which everyone loves. And so then he starts writing journals and things for his dead, suicided son. God, to get this sounds like a movie that was made for an audience of you. <laughs> I mean, it is, <laughs> it is, it is so dark, uh, but it's pretty funny. Uh, and like, they, they make that kid out to, like, you want that kid to die so bad by the time that he does actually die. <laughs> It's. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's a good time, but if like if that's kind of your vibe, I recommend it if you haven't seen it. 
Uh, the next one I have on here, oh, we're, we're below, below six digits now. We're below what I make in a year. <laughs> uh, the first one I have on here is, I think it's a German uh, comedy, horror comedy, Dead Snow. You guys seen Dead Never Snow? Never heard of it. Holy no. shit, guys. This is a great movie. It's a, uh, it's a horror comedy. It's essentially a bunch of European hikers go out and stay at Cabin in the Woods and uh, accidentally awaken Nazi zombies. And it's, it's just super, like, gory, gory humor. Like, at one point, uh, I think a guy rips out a zombie's intestines and uses them to, like, climb up to a ledge, uh, like a lasso. Like, it's, it's very silly and ridiculous, and it's a lot of fucking fun. <laughs> And it only made $46,000. Uh, the, the next one I have on here is, uh, I think it's John Krasinski's first directorial movie, which is Brief Interviews with Hideous Men. Uh, it's based on a book where it's, it's a woman who, I think it's like her sociology uh, PhD project is, is, I don't really understand what it is. She talks to a bunch of guys about little vignette stories in their lives, which sounds real dumb, but it's a pretty good movie. John Krasinski's pretty good in it and it's got a bunch of, I wouldn't say like, like C-list celebrities. They're like, oh, he's in this movie, but it's a good time. I think it's, uh, it, it deserves more people than watched it, probably. Uh, actually, Max, what's, the, what's that guy's name that's in Preacher? Dominic, Dominic Cooper? Dominic yes. Cooper, yes. This is yeah. the movie where I saw him and was like, oh, he's a good actor. And then I've seen him in everything since and he hasn't been a good actor. And then the very last one on my list, which is just for Zach and Luke Evans, who uh, hosts the Broke Box Office pad- podcast and are good friends of this podcast, is a movie that made exactly $3,865 in the box office, uh, Ponty Fool, which is a like zombie infection story where the uh, infection gets spread through like talking instead of like bites. Like it's kind of like a lose your mind sort of thing, but specific language cues cause you to become one of the zombies. I also don't know if it's good. Uh, it's not bad. It's definitely worth more than the amount of people that saw it. Uh, but if of, of the 368 movies that were listed on the box office report for this year, this was 360. And uh, I saw it. And I was like, oh, I should probably mention this. <laughs> it deserves a little bit more airtime. But that's it for me. Uh, the only thing, I, only thing I can think of that you didn't mention that I thought you would uh, was Crazy Heart. Uh, I didn't you know, mention it because uh, I fucking knew that great. you would mention it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's one of my favorites. It's the number one reason for not watching A Star Is Born. Probably my two favorite actors ever are in it. Uh, Jeff Bridges plays a uh, a burnout country singer, uh, you know, trying to stage a comeback and not doing a good job of it uh, because of um, alcoholism. It, it's really good. It's 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 a bummer, but it's not a mean spirited bummer. And the, you know, there is a little hope at the end of which is probably more than you can say for a star is born (laughs) (laughs) anything else from you christian any other favorites uh no nothing sticks to mind i mean the big two that i had were fourth kind and and fanboys which i feel like in any other year would probably not make the cut but um i guess for 2009 it's right on target for sure yeah i mean look i like a lot of the movies that i've talked about (laughs) on the last you know 10, 20 minutes. But as far as like the big hitters in the box office this year, most of them were real trash. 2000 year, 2009 was not a great year for movies. Well, it was right after the writer's strike. So a lot of the movies that we got that year were like rushed in development or written on site. That's actually uh, a great point. Yeah, yeah. 
Yep. So, like, that's true for Revenge of the Fallen. This was the year that I think we were supposed to get the George Miller Justice League movie, Justice League Mortal, but it fell apart because of the writer's strike. Like, Those damn so I writers. Think that, I think that probably played a big part on it. Man, I want to see that movie. Everything I've seen about it makes me intrigued by it. But. Would have to be better than what we've got so far. Yep. We haven't seen the Snyder Cut. It's supposedly oh, cool. over three and a half hours. Hooray! Hopefully we won't be in coronavirus lockdown and we can have a watch party. Yep. All right, but I think that's it for Hidden Gems of, of 2009. They're deeper cuts than usual, I think. But uh, there, there's some, I think there's some real classics in there. Black Dynamite. If like, look, if I had to recommend anyone watch anything, I mean, I have to go with Moon because I fucking love Moon. But as far as like, if you just want to have a good time and you haven't seen Black Dynamite, you should fucking watch Black Dynamite. Yeah. We'll really watch anything with Michael J. White anytime because you're always going to have fun, but specifically in that movie, yeah. you're going to have a good time. Do you want to do you want to make a, a singular pitch if there's one movie they have to watch hurt? I mean, oh man, if it's one movie that they have to watch, uh, I guess I'd probably stick with Crazy Heart then. No, you know what? Fantastic, Mr. Fox. Good call. Uh, that is a that that is an all-time classic. Good time. Fun for the whole family. Wow. Yes, very true. Uh, but yeah, that's it for uh, Hidden Gems of 2009. Hopefully we've uh, we've expanded your horizons and uh, piqued your interest. But uh, what have we been watching this past week, guys? So I um, don't have much. Um, showed my wife another Ghibli movie this week. We watched My Neighbor Totoro, um, which is you know an adorable. It's probably I don't know if it's the most family friendly of all of them because I'm not saying they're not family, but this one's there's there's very little to have to explain in this other than there's like a, you know, rabbit Snorlax creature and a cat bus. I forgot how intimidating Totoro's yell is. That's very uh, (laughs) intense. Um, But no, you know, it's better than Transformers. I love the, uh, I love that animation style. Um, It's a really like heartwarming movie. Um, No complaints. Good time. And I, I watched the, the latest version, which is the Fanning sisters do the uh, yeah 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 uh then i watched a couple of movies from last year that i had wanted to see and just you know being a parent you have to be choosy uh the first was midway roland emmerich's world war ii epic you know what not that bad i'm gonna go better than transformers i have no idea why this movie exists in the same universe that pearl harbor exists (laughs) (laughs) this movie literally shows pearl harbor and then it shows the doolittle raids which both happen in the pearl harbor movie and then, uh, then it also has Midway tacked on at the end uh, for like the last 35 minutes. So huh. it's, it's like Pearl Harbor, half its length, but three times the action. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's actually not a bad pitch for me. Yeah. The other thing that was interesting to me about it is it kind of looks and feels like, like a 1950s, 1960s World War II movie. Like the way it's shot is very similar to like Tora, Tora, Tora to me. Um, but with like, you know, just updated lighting and effects. Um, if one of you watch, I mean, Joseph, you're probably no good because I'm sure you've never watched an old war, two, world war two movie, but nope. Jay, I'm assuming you have, um, I would be interested to hear if you guys felt the same way. Um, but you know, the cast is okay. Uh, it's got Ed Scrine. Is that how you say his name? I think it's screen, bad, but maybe it's Scrine. I don't know. Bad guy from Deadpool one. 
who he plays an American doing the only American accent that guy can possibly do, which is like the most stereotypical New Jersey, just like slimy, gross thing you can imagine. Um, he's terrible, but everyone else is pretty good. And then I finally, I watched It Chapter 2. And uh, that's probably the most disappointing movie of last year. Mm. I definitely think the first is better. This one is longer, and I think the cast is really good in it, but I didn't really, like, feel connection with them. But the other thing that really let me down is I kept hearing about how much scarier it is. This is so much, and I found it to be the least scary film I probably watched of the three of them mm. watching human beings get blown up in a giant rabbit monster thing towed a little girl around in the woods were both scarier than it chapter two in my opinion um I don't know it just it really really let me down uh I'm gonna go worse than Transformers see I like that one but I I think it would have been better if they would just left the kids out of the second one it should have been yeah. a hard break between the two and then it also maybe wouldn't have been like four fucking hours long. It's really long. Bill Hader's really great in it. Right. Um, yep. Jessica Chastain and James McAvoy, I think I expect more out of them and we're kind of let down by their performances. But yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, I, I didn't watch a lot of relevant things this week. Uh, I, did, I did watch for the first time in at least over a decade. I watched the original Kings of Comedy. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of my feelings were the same on it. Uh, you know, Steve Harvey is still the least funny person on earth. Uh, Cedric is at best a entertainer and DL Hughley's all right, but nobody cares about any of that shit. The only part of the, of the original case of comedy that's worth talking about is the fucking Bernie Mac section. Yeah. And that shit is still hilarious, but goddamn, not one second of it plays in 2020. <laughs> like every single word would get him fucking canceled. It's, I, I mean, it was, I just didn't, I mean, I remembered all those jokes, but I guess hearing it out loud is like, oh shit, that just, that doesn't work anymore. Uh, also, I think a weird thing about it is it seems that all four of them have this specific fantasy about uh, life was better when there was a woman who would beat the shit out of you. Like when you were a kid. And there was some older woman in your family who would just beat the shit out of you. And I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't think that makes life better. I don't enjoy getting the shit beat out. Uh, I didn't as a child and I wouldn't. Now. The other thing uh, from this week, uh, there's a podcast I follow. Uh, it originated call, uh, as being called, uh, uh, Are You Talking You Two To Me? Uh, it's Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman, and it's a pretty funny podcast. I have heard about what you're about to tell me about. It's hilarious. <laughs> so, so they, they, it started off, it was, was going to be like a temporary YouTube podcast that they were going to do till the new YouTube record came out, but then it just kept getting delayed. So it kept turning into a longer and longer podcast. And, you know, they do funny things on it. Like they have podcasts within podcasts. Like say if someone brings up a movie, one of them will say, is this an episode of uh, I Love Films? And then that has its own theme music and they go into that. Shit like that. It's a pretty funny thing. Uh, once they completely ran out of U2 shit, they switched to being an REM podcast. And they did that for uh, well over a year. Uh, also in the middle of this, they've done some podcasts about, uh, for instance, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, comic named Todd Glass and they uh, they did a podcast with him as part of this same podcast called Stained Glass where they talk about the band Stained. So 
there is already a thing in there that they could do one of these things on a band that they don't like and maybe just be kidding. <laughs> so it was everyone was wondering what the fuck was going on with, with when they ran out of REM that they switched to a red hot chili peppers podcast. Like they were like, are they kidding? Are they really into this? And the first episode, it sort of seemed like they didn't know either. So in the middle of the second episode, they just stopped doing it and switched to being a talking heads podcast. <laughs> and it's pretty fucking hilarious. And, and actually I don't love the talking heads. They kind of get on my nerves, but I just thought that was it. Honestly, it kind of reminded me of us of being so woefully unprepared and just saying, Oh, we'll just do this other thing. <laughs> it, it, it reminded me that very successful people can be unprofessional too. That's all I got. I like it. Got to, got to lean into that pivot. <laughs> Uh, I watched a fair number of things. I finished uh, the anime series that I had been watching, which is that disaster anime called Japan Sinks, where Japan sinks. Uh, <laughs> Good type then. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. It's made by the same guy who made Devilman Crybaby. I don't really like Devilman Crybaby, but it was like affecting. And so I was like, well, maybe this can make me feel something, but it didn't. It was fine. It's not bad. Just not really worth anybody's time. Uh, for our Ghibli film, first off, I'm very happy you got to rewatch uh, Totoro because going through our Ghibli marathon that the wife and I are doing, Totoro has been my favorite one so far. I really, really dug it. But I rewatched, this is the last one that I have seen before we go into uncharted territory, uh, Princess Mononoke, which I didn't like the first time I watched it, but I had a much better time with the second time. It's a, it's a bit more of an angry film. All of the environmental... Uh, Themes that are in all of these movies are uh, with a bit more edge, I think, uh, in this one. But, you know, it, it, the, the main guy is a pretty nice guy. Everybody's got their own motivations. Nobody really a bad guy. It's the usual Ghibli film. I will say the one thing that I noticed that made our main guy, uh, Ashitaka, not a good guy, despite the fact that he's like, he just wants everyone to get along. And why is everybody hurting everybody? That motherfucker is like the prince of his village. Uh, and at the beginning of the movie has to leave on an adventure and his little like girlfriend gives him a special thing to remember him by, or to remember her by. It's like a special gem dagger uh, that I, you know, I just have to assume was like passed down in her family from generations. Uh, and like, as soon as, as soon as he meets some hot wolf girl from another jungle, he just gives it to her as a gift. Fucking one, it's a re-gift <laughs> and two, he just threw that shit away. Like, motherfucker, what an asshole. I don't know. That really stuck out to me the second time. I watched uh, the, uh, the, the movie Netflix is currently pushing on as aggressively as opposed to the previous movie that Netflix was previously aggressively pushing on us. Uh, the Old Guard with Charlize Theron. And it is super Transformers. I, uh, if, I had to, if I had to give it an edge, I would give it worse than Transformers. But I mean, like, it's as close as I've seen a movie in a long time it's just it's such a waste of a good premise the, the premise is they're all immortal people warriors that have been living throughout the centuries in secret because they don't want to like get captured doing good stuff for humanity as a whole and i feel like if this movie came out in like 2003 it would have been pretty good maybe even like you know good enough for sequels but now it's just super tired uh, and everyone, for despite the fact that, like, again, we're talking about people who are fucking immortal. There's just, I feel like there's a lot of stuff to mine there. They're just all super boring people, and I hate them. Well, the 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 writer who created this, Greg Rucka, his uh, 
his real main cross to bear, what he really wants to do in comics is prove that women can be just as boring as men. Uh, he always does comics with female leads and they're always boring as shit. And I don't know why he's so, uh, so popular, but this looks specifically like someone had seen the movie version of wanted and thought I should make a comic book like that. <laughs> Fair enough. I will say despite, despite it's many, many faults. And again, I don't recommend watching it. It's not really worth your time. Uh, Charlize Theron uh, sells the action in it more than anyone else in the movie, which she does in Atomic Blonde too. So I just, this movie just made me want uh, the Atomic Blonde John Wick crossover that I just, I've, I've been longing for more. And then the last thing I watched because my brother-in-law had never seen it, despite the fact that he likes Westerns, uh, is 310 to Yuma, which I was a little apprehensive about going back to because I hadn't seen it. And again, probably over 10 years. Uh, and I remembered it being really great but then I'm like, ooh, but I was also kind of an idiot then. Uh, and so I was excited when I watched it to find out that it's still really fucking great. Christian Bale and, and uh, Russell Crowe knock it out of the park. Uh, the supporting cast is great. I forgot that Alan Tudyk was even in it. Uh, and it's just like, it takes a little bit to get started at, at, the, at the get-go once you kind of meet Russell Crowe and they like start on their journey to the train. But like once we hit that point, it's like the pacing is just like whip quick. It's just... It's a, it's a really, really good time. I was surprised at, at how well it stood up to my memory of it. Way better than Transformers. That movie is what I always think about when you're really hesitant to like give James Mangold any credit whatsoever. Yeah, you know what? I, I will, I'll, I'll take that back because I think this is a, a high-level execution of what James Mangold is capable of. It's really, really, really good. Yeah. This might be the movie we've talked about most on this podcast that isn't Transformers. I hope so. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think we could use that as our reference frame, though, because most things would be worse than it. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that's it for me. Anything else from anybody? I got nothing. Right, let's, wrap nope. this sh- let's wrap this shit up. Uh, next week, we're going to do Pirates of the Caribbean, but not the good one. <laughs> But not the terrible ones either. Well, not the terrible See, no, you're, ones. you're like spoiling it because the idea is supposed to be that maybe it'll be good, but it won't. Well, no, I just mean it's, the, the one that you think of, the one that we all agree is the good one. It's not that one. We're going to do right. the second two, it, really just the Davy Jones arc, if we had to call it something. Right. Uh, what are the names of the movies? Uh, on Stranger Chess. Times and... Oh, Dead, War- no, you're right, you're right. You're Dead Man's World's Chest End. and World's End. Yeah. Stranger's Tide is the mermaid one. That one's real bad. Don't put that shit on me, Ricky and Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> Never <laughs> again. Uh, but we're going to go back and see if maybe it got a little bit of a bad rap. Maybe it's, uh, it's a little better than we give it credit for. Uh, so join us next week for that, if, if, if that uh, tickles your fancy. Uh, the, the creepiest way to say that. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, but I think that's it for this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Please rate and subscribe. Tell your friends about the podcast. Word of mouth is really the only right way that we, uh, we spread. Uh, like a disease among our communities. <laughs> yeah, I'm really just killing it today. Yeah, you are. <laughs> it's either us or coronavirus. Uh, you can, uh, you can, if you want to tell us other hidden gems that uh, we missed, or if there are just ones that we talked about that you want us to talk about more, you can reach us at realphonies at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later.